Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, I have a fun episode for you guys. I'm doing something a little bit different. I have my producer, Brian, on with me. He has been working on the show behind the scenes for almost the past year and a half, doing all the editing, producing, obviously, mastering, all of that good stuff. And so I am introducing him to you guys. You might be hearing a little more from him just as we get back into the studio more often and record in person. And then he's turning the tables on me and interviewing me as though I am the guest using some of your Instagram questions and also some of his own questions. And it's just a really authentic conversation. I talk to him almost every day and he and I have only actually been together in person a few times. So it was kind of like almost a get to know you session um, where he's asking me about my backstory and how I got sober and how I met Chuck and our relationship and his experience dating and talking about jealousy. And I talk about some Hollywood stories. We talk really authentically about my decision not to have kids and egg freezing. And I really share a lot in this episode that I haven't really shared before. So I hope you guys like it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And so enjoy the episode. Everyone, this is Brian. Brian's my producer, been my producer since I signed with Dear Media. So he makes the magic happen. Gets so nice rid of to the, meet you. Gets rid of the mouth noises. <laughs> my most elusive host. I feel like I talk to you every day and I almost never see you. This is maybe the third time I've seen you in real life ever. So I guess today we're doing some Q&A. Is that right? Yeah. So I was thinking that I would introduce you guys to Brian. He's been kind of behind the scenes this whole time. But as we're getting back to recording in person and just the structure of the show, you're probably going to be hearing a little bit more from him. So I want to just ask you a few questions to begin with. And then he's going to turn the tables and Mm. interview me. And this is kind of last minute. My guest today, McDreamy. Did you see his picture? No. Who is, who is this? <laughs> Dr. John Deal. He's like a real life McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy. Very attractive neurosurgeon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he canceled last minute. So we are pivoting. Here we are. Let's do it. Okay. So tell us about yourself. 
Yeah, I'm from New York. I got into post-production a couple of years ago and I worked in TV and film and probably everything that your husband didn't do personally, audiobooks, and it was cool. But I got out of the industry just in time for the whole thing to collapse and here we are two years later, everything is going pretty good. What was the remainder of that How question? many shows do you have at Dear Media? About 11, Okay, usually. so 11 shows, at yeah. least one episode a week. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I feel like 11 hours times however many hours you're spending on each episode. You're not wrong. And like the intricacies of going through each one, chopping it up, editing. You must really love what you do. I really do. It's a really streamlined operation. And luckily I've had the the privilege of being here long enough that I have some say in who I get to work with at this point. And that's not to slight anybody who's left my roster at this point. It's just to say that it's going to further whittle down. And luckily, you are going to remain on my roster um, basically until I'm dead. Amazing. Well, you must love plastic surgery and gut health. How much have you learned about plastic surgery from this show? A lot more than I thought I ever would in my life. But it's uh, really rewarding to be a part of any sort of educational show. That's my whole idea. That's my personal concept on the network is I just want to hoard all of the educational shows so I can justify this career path. And um, hopefully I'm making the world a better place in some way or another in a small way. That's a very diplomatic answer. But okay, I have another question back to the beauty stuff and then we can (laughs) change topics. But if you see an attractive woman now, are you like, I wonder if she had a fat transfer? (laughs) (laughs) I actually do think about it more often. I didn't realize it was as common as it was. And Mm -hmm. then I started watching this show. And then there were a few people I dated over the past couple of months that I discovered had had procedures. And now I'm suspicious of everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's not the worst thing in the world because obviously I didn't realize for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I was laughing because today's my birthday. And happy birthday, by thank the way. You. I didn't you even knew say it on you the were, way. And I, was I know to be because I told you not it. to. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. But this is coming out after the fact, so we can talk about it. But Chuck gave me a gift, and then his card said something to my eternally young wife. And I was like, first of all, thank you. Second of all, you're welcome, bro. Like <laughs> the things that I do <laughs> that you have no idea about to stay eternally young. You're welcome. I wasted this line today already, but it must be nice to age backwards. It's really shocking (laughs) to know that you're the same age, possibly a little bit older than me. We'll talk talk off the mic now. How old are you? Okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm 32. (laughs) So I guess this is probably a good time to find out about you now that I'm sitting in front of you for once. What's your deal? Where, Where are you from? Do you have siblings? What's your family all about? So first of all, We are using questions that were sent in on Instagram, but I was born in Connecticut, raised in Rhode Island, and I have an older brother. He lives in DC and he was always the one on kind of like the straight and narrow path. And I was the black sheep always. And I'm sure everybody who's listening is familiar with my story, as are you, but I grew up in Rhode Island, really had everything, had a lot of opportunities and had a lot going on. And I found drugs and alcohol like in my late teens. And that completely took me on a different path of a ton of destruction, (laughs) ton of trauma. It was just absolutely crazy, really dark for like 10 years. But, you know, at this point, I can look back on it and be grateful for it all because it all kind of got me to where I am today. Um, That's a very diplomatic answer. Do you think that your upbringing, and this isn't to place blame anywhere, but do you think that your upbringing had anything to do with 
how you ended up in addiction and all of that? Like, was, was life too easy for you? Were you seeking out destruction? I think honestly, after a lot of reflection, I think it's really just how I'm wired. I think that it was kind of a perfect storm in that I'm highly sensitive and it's something that I fought for my entire life. So I was sensitive. I was kind of anxious. And then a little bit with my environment, just in terms of like the kind of kids that I was hanging out with and kind of some excess that we had and being exposed to drugs and alcohol, things like cocaine when I was like a junior, senior in high school, you know, not everybody has that experience, but that was the environment that I was in. So it all just kind of added up into the perfect storm, like I said, but I think that I would have been an alcoholic or an addict regardless. I really think that it comes down to my brain chemistry and I don't think that there's anything that anybody could have really done differently. I think maybe it would have happened at a different time. But after being in recovery for a while, you know, you learn that you have the ism, like alcoholism. It's not about the alcohol. It's about the ism. And the ism is my thinking and my kind of maladjustment to life and my coping skills that I didn't have until I got sober. And I think I would have had that regardless. And my parents did everything that they could for me. And I had therapy and rehabs and just everything. And, you know, it still took what it took, which was hitting like gnarly rock bottom for me to get sober. An often overlooked part of wellness is sexuality, but it is so important. It is part of life and feeling turned on is more than a wind up to sex. It's a way to feel more alive, understand ourselves, unlock confidence and enhance intimacy. And sexuality is as mental as it is physical. So 90% of women report using their imaginations to get turned on and Dipsy helps to unlock that imagination and tap into those feelings whenever you want. So you guys all know and love Headspace space, but this has been deemed the headspace for sexuality. It is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. And the stories are relatable, inclusive, feminist, and celebratory. They ground fantasy and reality and show all kinds of preferences and interests because they believe the most exciting, immersive stories are the ones that you can relate to. So they release new content every week, and there's always more to explore no matter who you are, what you're into, or no matter what turns you on and I've gotten messages from you guys saying that you have downloaded this and you love it. So that's always great to hear the feedback. And if you just need to wind down, Dipsy has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. Dipsy has received stellar reviews from you guys and from Vogue, Refinery29, and so many more outlets. So definitely check it out for yourself. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash blonde. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E. So there's really no downside, 30 days of full access, and I'm pretty sure you guys will be hooked. So again, head to dipsystories.com slash blonde. 
So my go-to dessert lately has been FX chocolate. It's like somebody went into my dreams and turned them into a reality because it's chocolate, but it's also a supplement. And especially when I like to have a piece of chocolate before bed, this one doesn't raise my blood sugar and disrupt my sleep. So here's the deal. FX chocolate is a supplement company that is founded on the idea that good for you shouldn't be hard to do. So they've created six different supplement variations, Exhale, Focus, Thrive, Defend, Superfood, Dream, and Zen, and their latest edition, Sunshine, which is a vitamin D formulation. And each one lends targeted support to a specific need. So they have nutraceutical ingredients like ashwagandha, reishi mushrooms, CBD, GABA, L-theanine, my favorite, melatonin, and more. It's all expertly packed into a handcrafted square of sugar-free, keto-friendly, dark chocolate. FX Chocolate is offering you guys, Blonde Files, listeners 20% off their first order. All you have to do is use the promo code BLONDEFILES at checkout. That's B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S. And you'll get 20% off your first order. So that's fxchocolate.com, F as in Frank, X as in X-ray, chocolate.com, and the code BLONDEFILES at checkout. And I swear, you guys, this is one of my favorite wellness hacks, total game changer. I always love to have my chocolate, but it usually disrupts my sleep. And this one does not. Just have a square or add it to a date with some almond butter, and it is the perfect dessert. Also, you can have it during the day. I love having a square of focus during the day or superfood. They're all really delicious. So again, go to fxchocolate.com and use the code BlondeFiles for 20% off. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I see so many parallels between your life and mine. I'm from the East Coast. I also had a nice upbringing. I'm from Long Island. And I had some of those same experiences. Like I dabbled with cocaine and I mean, drinking became much more of a problem as with most people. And I, I certainly have a cigarette problem at this point. But to imagine the idea of actually being beholden to a substance in that way, I'm like, what was a day in the life? like for you? Or at what point did you realize that this was an actual problem? It really started socially. So it was only at parties, although I did have consequences from the beginning. So there's a saying that the trajectory is that it's fun and then it's fun with problems and then it's just problems. And I started at the fun with problems. Like I always, from the first time I ever drank, it was affecting me differently than other people. And I was blacking out and I was waking up in weird places and I was missing commitments and I got a DUI pretty young and I knew that it was just not working for me the way it was working for other people. And I just thought like, I just have to get the formula right. And it evolved. You know, I went to treatment when I was 20 and I was in complete denial because I just thought that I was doing what other people my age were doing. And at that point I really was, I was drinking and doing Coke, you know, socially, but every time that I would go to treatment or seek help, I would leave and pick up right where I left off and then some. So it really was progressive. And I believe that real alcoholism or addiction is a progressive terminal disease. And 
So a day in the life, initially it was like, go to school, do whatever I had to do, and then party at night till six in the morning and then sleep for three hours and then get up and do it again, which I could do when I was 19 or 20. Now, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I am like so dramatic. Do not talk to me. Cancel all my appointments. I can't come (laughs) dead. But a couple years into that, like then the Xanax came so that I could shut it down a little bit earlier. And then I needed Adderall to get up from the Xanax. So really by the end, a day in the life was like laying in bed, drinking wine, watching Netflix, passing out, coming to, drinking more wine that was getting delivered to me because I couldn't leave the house, snorting whatever I could find, taking pills, like shutting down. I mean, I didn't leave my apartment for three or four months and I was like in a complete blackout, but it took a long time. It took 10 years to get to that point. Oh, wow. So at this point, what is it like for you? I mean, you must feel it on some level. I can't imagine you walk into a restaurant and you're having a panic attack because there's wine around you, but what is the feeling? Like how easily could you relapse if it really were to tempt you? I saw a question that someone sent in and, and was like, how do I fight relapse? And it really struck me because I, I don't fight it. I don't fight anything. I was so lucky in that I hit such a bad rock bottom that I really knew without a sliver of a doubt that I can't drink anymore. I really admire people who get sober because they're like, "Mm, it's like kind of affecting my relationships. Like I could never, (laughs) I have to be like on the brink of death (laughs) to be able to be willing to change. And that was the point that I got to. So when I finally got sober and people can go back and listen to any interview that I've done really anywhere to get my story, you know, about the whole dramatics of it. But it really, it was like the problem was just removed instantly with the drinking and the drugs. But then what was left was all of the shit underneath that I was drinking and using to cover. And so that took years, you know, I'm still in therapy to deal with certain things, but I was in treatment for six months and I just did a lot of like intensive therapy and work. And I do certain things to maintain my sobriety. And really it's like my spiritual life. For me, it was like I had a void and I was trying to fill the void with first it was like boys when I was a teenager and stuff, material things. And then I found the drugs and alcohol and that filled it for a while until it didn't. So when I got sober, it was like, I have to find something to fill that with. And it's it's a kind of a God-sized hole is the phrase that I've heard. So when I maintain my spiritual life, which you know better than anybody includes lots of meditation and, you know, just like being really aware of what's going on inside. So journaling, gratitude, being of service to other people, prayer, meditation, that kind of thing. There's really no struggle at all. And it's funny that you said that you have a cigarette problem because that's the only thing I used to smoke a pack a day. You can drink around me. You know, I haven't been in a situation sober where somebody's like doing blow in front of me. That might be problematic. But the only thing that I really miss sometimes are cigarettes. And when I was just in Greece, people were smoking everywhere. And I was like, like walking behind them, like blowing it in my face, like trying to suck in every ounce of the smell that I could. Because, I mean, I'm so glad that, you know, I was able to quit when I did. But sometimes just want a cigarette. (laughs) What would you say was the primary addiction, by the way? Since I, when I hear about these stories, it tends to be just a blur of Mm -hmm. all sorts of substances and drinking and all that. It started as alcohol and alcohol was really my true love. Although I used to say 
back when I was using, like if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, it would be Xanax. I mean, I loved the downers really? and everyone is surprised by that because they're like, you're so like chill, but yeah. I didn't feel chill on the inside. Um, but everything that I did really was kind of in concert with alcohol. Like the cocaine was that I could drink more without blacking out and stay up and stay sharp. And then like the Xanax was to come down and deal with the anxiety after the alcohol and the Adderall, you know, so it was all like in support of alcohol. Speaking of which, would you say that your um, general temperament is about the same that it used to be? You were just, you were just going crazy inside or were you a wild person at the time? I mean, not to say, I don't know if you would consider yourself a wild in any respect at this point, but you obviously have a very calming sense about <laughs> you. Just a- ASMR. I was never wild. You know, that I think that I have always been kind of like an introverted extrovert where like, I'm not shy if I meet you and I'm having a conversation with you, but I prefer, I'm just a little, I'm like quieter. Like I would, I want to go out, but I don't want to be like the center of attention. I want to be like sitting off on the side, kind of observing everything. And for whatever reason, I felt like that was something to be ashamed of. And so I really drank and used to cover that up. Like I had to put up this facade and like be the outgoing, crazy extrovert. Like I just thought that that was what I was supposed to be. I don't even know what my temperament was really like at that time because I was always on something. I get it. <laughs> I mean, nobody nobody listening to the show knows me, but I was in a fraternity and you you would never really? guess looking at me. Yeah, you even just have at the to time, pop your collar a little bit yeah, and then I would believe I it. <laughs> I also don't usually wear polos if anyone's seeing me right now. But Wait, where did you go to college? Uh, Long Island. It was in, uh, okay. I went to four different colleges and then I went to audio school after that. It was a lot, but Long Island University is where I did most of the damage. I I all but failed out of it because I was just drunk the whole time. Nice. You were on the Van Wilder plan. That was like my idol. It was looking that way. I think I went to like four or five schools as well, but I never finished. Wasn't he based on uh, Burt Kreischer, the comedian? I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Switching gears a little bit, and I'm organically trying to slip these questions in that people submitted, but... Some of these are just just right from the batch here. I feel like you're a very good interviewer, by the way. That's very kind of you. your delivery and you have a very calm temperament. So were you always like this or not? Not during college, you said. Maybe. No, I'm I'm full of rage. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's crazy. So switching gears now that we're sort of talking present day a little bit. How did you meet your husband? What's the story there? I know everyone's curious about that who may have missed it. Everyone asks me this all the time and I get it because I always kind of evade a little bit. We met through mutual friends in a part of our life that we both share and people want it to be some like scandalous thing. And maybe I make it sound like that with my answer, but um, we share a common bond, put it that way. And we met through friends and we knew each other for like a year before we started dating. Really? Yeah. I made the first move. I did know that actually. I probably this talked must about have been that mentioned in my show. somewhere on the podcast. Yeah. But I mean, what drew you to him initially? Did you know that he was a successful person or was he at the time? He, he was at the I time. I guess he must have been. He's been. Yeah. yeah. The thing that drew me to him was his style. He has the best style. I always say it. People wouldn't know because they probably only see him on like a red carpet when he's in like a tuxedo. But his style combined with like his swagger and he's not this like 
gregarious guy either. Like he's kind of shy and, you know, he's very humble. Like he's not flashy at all, but he just carries himself like someone who's really fucking successful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I was drawn to that. Um, and I knew like who he was, but I didn't know the, the breadth of his um, success really. I felt like there was kind of a vibe though, but I was like, I don't know, this is crazy. He's twice my age. This is so bad. I don't, yeah. you know. And finally I was like, you know what? YOLO. <laughs> yeah. And so actually six years ago, today was our first date. I gave oh, wow. him my number. We went on our first date two nights later. And that How was How long it. have you been married? Three years. That's very cool. Yeah, I haven't met him, but um, having the opportunity to edit an episode <laughs> or two with him, I can tell you all the behind the scenes stuff was funny to listen to. He seems like um, a really funny guy. He is very funny. And yeah, I so relate to how he probably came off in the first place. Because I'm, I'm also someone who, I'm basing this off of what he said in his interviews about how he didn't want to come off as the guy or he doesn't even necessarily feel like the guy who would go after younger girls necessarily or anything. He just, you know, not wanting to look that way. And as someone who never really dates people younger than me, I feel very sort of uncomfortable about it. Even mm -hmm. it doesn't even really matter how their intellect lines up or their maturity or anything. There's something about it that I guess society has just made it feel a little weird, but. Yeah. I'm curious about that. What is it? Because I mean, if you're 32, how young are you dating? Like eight, early 20s? Is that young to you? Were you going to say 18? Well, I, I was going to say like your options are 18 up. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say on average, I date someone two to three years older than me for really? the most part. Yeah. Interesting. At this point, I'm a little more open to someone younger now that we're up in age and the general population in my age group is more developed and... Mm -hmm. It's not as scary because that's really the problem is that it's too easy to get in a fight and go, uh, you don't know anything. Yeah. Yes. And very much so in our situation too, but he's really good about not doing that. But I think like I started dating him when I was 20. I don't want to give away my age. <laughs> we'll leave it there. But like for you, 24, 25 is very different from like 29, 30. So if you're dating younger, don't you feel like, I feel like there's such a big change, yeah. like early 20s, especially 25 to 20, like eight is still pretty young, but it depends on the person. And then after that, I feel like there's kind of a shift. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it's yeah. But yeah, with him, like, I think that he just kind of gives me the room to like, fuck up, if that makes sense. And not be like, I, I told you so I knew better. You know, he's, He's very supportive. It's almost like having kind of a mentor in some ways as well as a husband. Like, I don't know if that sounds weird, but he has so much life experience that he's the first person that I want to go to with things because he has the best advice, but he's also really careful not to step into that kind of parental role, Yeah, you know, or like <laughs> not parental, but like pedantic. Like he doesn't want to sure. explain something just because he's older, if that makes sense.
Being prepared is so important when it comes to eating a healthy, balanced diet. And one of the keys to having a healthier relationship with food, for me at least, has been always having yummy, nutritious food on hand so I'm not making choices that don't support me feeling my best. And Saqqara is so, so good for this and such a great way to ensure you're getting delicious, healthy food for all your meals and snacks. So Saqqara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what we eat. They have organic, ready-to-eat meals made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and the menu is crafted by chefs weekly, so you'll never get bored. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all made with ingredients designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. This week, they have a morning fig bar. They have wild rice and miso salad. They have vegan Saqqara mac and cheese, which is so freaking good. They have rose pancakes, orange blossom waffles, mushu veggie wraps, and so much more. It's all so delicious. I'm getting hungry just talking about it. And along with delicious meals, Saqqara has daily wellness essentials and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Definitely try the Metabolism Super Powder. It is an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. It's amazing. And you also have to try their bars. They're so good. I have been addicted for a long time. Saqqara is delivered fresh nationwide, and they are offering my listeners 20% off your first order if you go to saqqara.com slash Blonde Files. So again, that's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash B-L-O-N-D-E-F-I-L-E-S or enter Blonde Files at checkout. Again, sakara.com slash Blonde Files for 20% off your first order. Sexual pleasure is self-care. It supports quality sleep, it boosts our moods, enhances our immune systems, and connects us to our bodies. And sexual intimacy is good for us, whether solo or with a partner. It can invoke our joy, nurture our inner well-being, and give us that glow inside and out. So Foria is on a mission to close the pleasure gap. It was the first brand to create an all-natural product line addressing sexual pleasure for women. And actually, two many women experience sexual pain or discomfort up to 75%. So in addition to organic broad spectrum CBD, Foria's intimacy line uses all natural botanicals like kava to make sex more comfortable by relieving tension and discomfort. And they have such an incredible collection, the intimacy collection. I love the Awaken Arousal Oil. This is their cult favorite. It's like the ultimate pleasure pregame. So it has broad spectrum CBD and nine plant-based aphrodisiacs that work with the body to enhance pleasure and arousal and ease discomfort. And they also have a really amazing sex oil. So it is the bedroom essential that everybody should have. It's designed to provide all natural moisture and lubrication with 400 milligrams of broad spectrum CBD to enhance pleasure, comfort, and relaxation. And they have a bunch of other products. So I definitely recommend going to check out their website. Foria is offering a special deal for Blonde Files listeners. You can get 20% off your first order by visiting www.foriawellness.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash B-L-O-N-D-E for 20% off your first order. So again, I totally recommend the Awaken Arousal Oil or the Sex Oil. You will thank me later. And again, that's foriawellness.com slash blonde. So 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm sure you would never say to somebody that you're a famous person, but you're a known enough person now that you can probably relate a bit more. How did you feel at the time meeting him, having a famous person on your arm? Is it weird? Do you feel like everyone's looking at him or judging you? Or, I mean, this is sort of evolving into a bunch of different questions all at Mm -hmm. once, but is there a sense of jealousy because of all the attention that he probably gets when he's out in the world? Okay, let's break that up. So the first part about like, how did I feel? Because at that time I was a little bit less known than I am now. And he was famous. You know, it's interesting. I think, well, first of all, I tried to keep it really separate. So I purposely didn't go to any of his shows that were taping at the time because they were doing Mom and Big Bang Theory where like Big Bang would be shooting on a Tuesday night and it was this whole production where they do it in the live audience. And it's like you go to Warner Brothers to the lot and you're with the actors and you can get very dazzled by that, I guess. And I really didn't want to see that part of his life because outside of there, he's such a normal guy. And I didn't want that to like influence my feelings for him at all. So I, I really tried to keep it separate to the point where he was like, are you not interested in my life at all? Like, don't you want to see what I do? And I was like, must not see any of that. Um, Do you find that exciting though? I did once I started doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love the award shows. I'm fascinated by it. You know, it's not that like, I want to be the person necessarily like being awarded or, you know, I think that it's a completely different experience for him. So for example, like going to the Golden Globes for him, it's stressful because he's got to do that whole press line and that takes two hours, you know, and then you're sitting there and and it's work. And for me, I'm like, I just get to put on a pretty dress and like look at what everyone's wearing and like get the tea, you know, and enjoy it. So it wasn't intimidating for me, really. It was more fun than anything. Like in the beginning, we went on a press tour in Europe and we went to London and Paris. And it was with like a bunch of people from Warner Brothers, like actors that had show or movies coming out and then actors from shows. And it was like this huge press thing. And we had like bodyguards everywhere we were going. And it was so like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And like paparazzi, that was crazy. But at the same time, like because he's so normal and he's he really doesn't participate in that normally, he kind of like helped to um, make it feel not so overwhelming. And then the jealousy part, unless you have a follow-up. I do sort of there. Just because everyone loves the name dropping and I know you try to dance around all the negative name dropping, Uh like not that that comes up a lot, but when people ask you, were there any famous people that you were touring around with that you grew to be good friends with or that you at least had a particularly fun time with? Kunal Nayar from Big Bang Theory, he was on that tour. I don't know why I suspected that. Yeah. He, I love him. And he was in London with us and then Paris and then his wife met us in Paris. And we went to, um, they were doing an interview at MTV Paris. And all I remember was I was sitting with his wife off to the side and the interviewer was asking him something about like a relationship. He was like, (laughs) he was like, "Um, yeah, I'm like seeing someone I'm in a relationship. And she's like, dude, what? Like we're married. (laughs) And it was just like, he didn't mean to answer it that way. It was just awkward. I don't know why it was so funny. So I really liked him. I can't remember who else was on that tour, but I love Kunal. He's cool. 
if you can remember the question before I completely derailed you. <laughs> oh, jealousy. Jealousy. What was the question? Do I get jealous? Yeah. Or how do I deal with it? Did I get jealous? Did you get jealous um, being surrounded by all the attention all of a sudden? Um, like jealous in terms of him and other women, like, or just him getting attention? I was thinking general attention, but the women part could be interesting okay. too. Um, no, I never got jealous about the attention. In fact, I kind of loved it because when he would have to go do like his press stuff, I'm talking about this tour specifically, like I would go shopping and I had yeah. bodyguards and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I got to like pretend that I was somebody else. Um, it was just so far from what my normal life is that it was like, what? But no, I've never been jealous of the attention that he's received otherwise because, you know, he works so hard and he has worked so hard for as long as I've been alive and more. I mean, he's been in TV for as long as I've been alive and like been successful in TV right. for as long as I've been alive. Before that, he was, you know, a struggling guitarist and struggling like door-to-door -door salesman. Like he oh, has yeah. hustled. So I'm happy for him for, you know, the attention that he gets, especially when it's like really good feedback for certain shows. As far as women, I like a little jealousy. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm never, I've never been jealous. Like I feel like he's going to cheat on me or anything. I fully yeah. trust him. And I feel like if you're just a reminder that they're desirable. Yeah. Like yeah. if we go to an event, I remember we were somewhere, it was some premiere a few years ago and there was this woman like throwing herself at him and I'm standing right there. And I was like, almost to the point where I was like, excuse me, but I didn't say anything. And I was like, yeah, that's, you want to see your partner in a desirable light like that. I think, how do you feel about it? I would agree with that. It's probably <laughs> a little bit different because guys tend to be a lot more aggressive. Yeah. So, um, walking into a club and, uh, not that I've been in a club in six <laughs> years or anything, but walking into a crowded bar and, you know, if I walk off to get a drink or go to the bathroom or something, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking somebody is for sure hitting on her right now. There's yeah. no question about it. Yeah. But that's kind of hot because you know, or I mean, it's hot if you know that nothing is going to happen. No. I see <laughs> what you mean. I see what you mean. <laughs> like, I guess it depends how often it's happening. It can get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be one point, thing if but, it was like everywhere that we go. But I mean, let's Chuck is twice my yeah. age. He's, you know, like not getting hit on every time he walks out of the house, but certainly in some circumstances he is. And I'm sure like, you know, there are people at work that I don't see actresses and stuff who hit on him at, at work Could and be. stuff and try to get their foot in the door that way and all of that. But at the end of the day, I trust him. And I think if you don't have trust in a relationship, like what are you doing? If you don't have trust in a relationship, you don't be in yeah. that relationship. That's period. fair. I guess you have to trust that you're a good enough judge of character that you don't really have to worry about it on a day-to-day -day basis like that. Yeah. But I feel the need to double back for just a moment. Does Chuck still play guitar around the house? Like what happened with that? He plays all the time. Luckily, when we did that remodel at our house, he built a theater underground that's soundproof. So now he like goes down there to do because before it's like all the time with the guitar, which I grew up with that. My dad, I like married my dad. I mean, if you really want to break it down, because my dad plays guitar, he's a doctor, but that's his passion. And he would walk around playing guitar, the acoustic guitar and like that picking sound and then like plug into the amp and 
that's what I married into with Chuck. And so now he goes to his little area to do it. But um, yes, it's still very much his passion. He would probably drop everything and tour with a band if he could. Why do you play? I do. I mean, that's how I got into audio is that I was in music. I thought I was going to come out of school and get into mastering because I really like the granular pain in the ass details of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I have the business background, so I figured I'd make use of that somehow. Didn't do it though. You still can. Yeah. I mean, it it became too uh, competitive at that point and it didn't seem like much of a real career. Have you watched the Mark Ronson thing? No. Who's that? You know, Mark Ronson? It sounds familiar. I don't know. Producer. He he's a DJ and producer, but he produced a lot of like the early Amy Winehouse stuff, like Back to Black. Hmm. And then he worked with all of the big Bruno Mars songs. You'll have to look at his discography or whatever it's called after, but he's a lot of like the big songs ever he's been behind. And he has a new show on Apple TV. It just started last week. It's like an eight part miniseries and it's all about music and they like take one thing like auto-tune and they do a whole episode on it and it's him with all these other artists like Paul McCartney and like T-Pain and like just all these um Charlie XCX who else was on it a bunch of people and then they do one on like sampling and it's really cool because it's fascinating but they also get into like the technical stuff you might like it it's called the sound of noise or no watch this noise Watch the sound. (laughs) Watch the sound. That's what it's called. That might be worth it. You're welcome, Um, Mark Ronson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Apple TV is killing it these days. Killing it. So this has come up a thousand times. And maybe we can dive into a little bit more detail on that this time around. But how are you feeling about kids at this point? I think the last I heard you were freezing eggs or considering freezing eggs, but were not particularly excited about the idea. Where are you? I, right now, yes, I was considering freezing my eggs. I still might do it. I have no desire to have kids. And I saw that somebody asked, like, as you get older, do you regret it? And I'm like, no, as I get older, I feel more confident and happy with my decision to not have kids, at least thus far. I mean, I I cannot imagine my life with kids. Like, I can't imagine being in a position where I'd want them. Nothing against kids, obviously, but I think that I really, like, I'm very independent and I really thrive being able to structure my time myself. I think that's why this is a good career for me, too. I love traveling. I love just not being beholden to really anybody. And I also, I just never had that maternal thing. I have it for my dog. I'm sure you have the paternal thing for your dog. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel like it's fulfilled through that. I mean, the they decision. They have such a limited say in their own lives, though. It's got to be a very different. It's amazing, though. You don't have to pay for a whole lot <laughs> yeah, of it's anything. A pretty good deal. They are pretty low maintenance. I mean, they can be a lot of work, but, you know, I'm not having to like go drive them around you know, to soccer practice and drop off at school at seven in the morning where the decision to freeze eggs came in. Really, it's kind of an insurance policy, I think. And I have to be honest, it's been kind of influenced by friends of mine who are my age, who are single, who have been doing it. I have a couple of close friends who did it recently in this past year. And also my doctors, every OBGYN that I've ever been to, 
has not tried to persuade me to reconsider my decision not to have kids, but they've tried to persuade me or at least get me to think about the fact that I might at some point want them and do I want to be in a, in a position where it's not an option anymore. So I'm still on the fence though. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot to go through just having watched my friends do it, like with the hormones and the shots and it's a lot to put your body through. It is expensive. I'll be honest, I had no idea that it was that much of an ordeal. Somewhere in the back of my mind, it was a cartoon. Like you just pull an egg out. No, you would think like, but no, it's first of all, I think absolute least amount of money that it is, is 15 grand, like base starting. And then they have to see how many viable eggs you have. And as you get older, you have less. I also have like other GYN things. Like I have PCOS, this past year, I've had fibroids and polyps and ovarian cysts and things are just a mess down there. <laughs> so yeah, so one of my friends had to do like months of acupuncture to get the eggs going. And then there's like weeks of doing daily injections of different hormones that make you crazy. And it's just so much for your body. And then they go in and they take them. So it's not just like they're going in and going like, oh, I see an egg. Boop. <laughs> I might be getting too personal here, but does Chuck have any feelings? I mean, I imagine at this point he could go one way or the other. He already has at least one kid. Is that right? He has two kids. Yeah. And everybody asks if I have a good relationship with them. And I feel like I never want to, I don't want to talk about them because, and this is how I feel about a lot of people in my life. They didn't sign up to be the topic of conversation, right. you know, but I get asked it all the time. And I think it's kind of a dig. So I'm just saying blanket statement. Yes, I have a good relationship with them. To put it out there, I saw one person did actually ask it in this question. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the other factor. So there's like the toll that it takes on your body and just the whole process. There's the money, which, you know, luckily I'm in a position where I could afford that. But like, do I really want to? I don't know. And then the third factor is Chuck. You know, he is at a point where he doesn't want kids right now. I think if it was a non-negotiable for me, he would feel differently about it. But the way that I've at least presented it to him when I was talking about freezing my eggs was like, you never know what will happen. You don't know what will happen in two years and four or five years. And he kind of feels like, well, where am I in this equation? Because you're making it sound like, you know, it wouldn't be happening with me or it would be. So it's a delicate situation, but ultimately he's been very supportive. And, you know, obviously he's like, it's your body. You can do whatever you want. But would he want to have kids in five years? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So just because I know a lot of people are always curious about this aspect of your life, how do you feel about the world of influencing? It doesn't, I mean, to speak to you, I wouldn't imagine you were that kind of person. <laughs> your lifestyle, sure. There's a lot of sort of jet setting and that sort of thing. But you're very much not the person who <laughs> wants the attention. So how did no. that even happen? How do I even answer that? I, it happened very naturally just in that I was pursuing this other career. And at the same time, I had an Instagram account that I was using for accountability with like a workout program that I was doing. And I just happened to kind of not fall in love. Well, yeah, I guess I kind of fell in love with just the creative aspect of it. And, you know, if I look back on my life now, 
when I was growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I was obsessed with fashion. I was obsessed with like aesthetics, how things looked. I was obsessed with food and cooking, you know, and this really kind of marries all of that. And Mariana Hewitt was on my podcast and she was talking about it in this sense and that it's like, you're the editor of your own magazine and you're doing everything. So it's so many moving pieces, but you also get to decide what you put in it and curate it. And I really love that. And it really allows me to like pursue my passions and also things that I didn't know I was passionate about. If you had asked me a few years ago, if I would start a podcast, like never, because, you know, it's not in my nature because I am more introverted to sit in front of a microphone and just like, like talk about myself, talk about my life. I really do like talking to other people. I always have, and just, I'm very curious and I'm, I'm kind of like a sponge, but yeah, the world of influencing, and this is something that I struggled with in the beginning. I think there is kind of this archetype, right? And I did not fit that archetype because I am more introverted. I don't want to go to all the events. I don't want to be on Instagram stories with all my girlfriends and like, it's just not who I am. And I will say like one thing about it is it's really helped me to kind of discover who I am authentically and be okay with that, if that makes sense. Because the more I was like sharing about my life and being open about my past and my struggles and things that make me uncomfortable and and who I really am and getting support for that, even though it's like an online community, the more I was able to do that in my real life. And so those experiences together really helped me just be more confident. And then of course, like it's given me a career and a platform and financial security and all of that. And so all of those things together also help make me feel more confident. But, you know, you can be an influencer, you can be a podcaster and not be that like outgoing energy, like bubbly, whatever the the yeah. archetype is that you think of when you think of an influencer. Yeah, I guess you can only dance around being vulnerable for so long on a podcast, you're going to run out of things to talk about and True. just get deeper and deeper in it. What is your experience with influencers? Because I'm sure I don't know all of the other shows that you have, but I'm sure you've met them. They roll through here a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My experience has been, truth be told, a lot of them seem so much, uh, I don't mean for this to sound shady or anything, but they seem so much brighter and more interesting than <laughs> Then you would think to just look at an Instagram where they're posing by the beach or something. So you mean that in a good way, like in person, they're more interesting? Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah, there's there's a lot more depth there, mm-hmm. I think, than people give them credit for or that I gave them credit for mm-hmm. for a really long time until I got in here. I think it's hard because you can only convey so much through a picture and you can only convey so much through an Instagram yeah. story and you have milliseconds or like one second maximum to get somebody's attention. And then if you don't get their attention, they're on to the next thing. So somebody's impression of you is whatever that, that snap judgment was, you know, it's like dating apps. How do you meet somebody on a dating app? Cause you're swiping based on a <laughs> yeah. half a second decision. Know. Yeah. Are you on all the apps now? Oh, I'm, I'm on an app or two, but let me guess. Are you on Raya? No, can I get on Raya? I've never heard anything good about Raya. <laughs> I haven't either, actually. No. Yeah, all my girlfriends were telling me about it. And I was like, I am living vicariously. Like, I need to get on Raya just so that I can see who's <laughs> on there. And they were like, no, it's terrible. That's my only interest. What are you, Hinge and Bumble? In the, uh, yeah. 
Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my phone, but I would never dream of opening that one at this point. I'm so curious. I need to listen to your episode with Lindsay because I'm curious about like the dating oh, stitch no. in LA around our age. I see it from like a, a female mm. perspective where it's just like savage and my friends are beautiful and smart and funny and successful. And it's like... Savage how exactly? Like savage in that at least in the experiences that I've heard from my friends, like guys are just not looking to commit. Oh, really? That's so the opposite yeah. of my problem? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I okay, mean, at this maybe point. Maybe I need to set you up then with point. one of my friends. Give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> are you finding that like girls don't want to commit? Not exactly. I'm, I'm finding a different set of problems because as you were saying earlier, there is this sort of sub age range that you can just sense mm -hmm. it's you sort of need to be in that pocket to know that you're on the path towards a real future right. and it's hard to get that out of people and I feel like from well from the male perspective at least I can't speak to how horrible guys are I'm sure it's a nightmare out there but mm -hmm. it can be very difficult to get you know thoughtful ideas from females on the app I think because they're just so bombarded with people mm -hmm. coming at them that they the effort in return just necessarily isn't always there right so is it even possible to meet somebody in the wild anymore I don't know <laughs> I used to any fun relationship I've had in the past has always happened that way yeah I feel like if I was single and this is what I did before Chuck I knew like the days and the times to go, like I would go to Whole Foods Venice on Sunday evening because, you know, they're going Sunday and Thursday. That was the time. This was like kind of pre-Airwan days for me, although Venice Airwan on a Sunday too, popping. But my friends would make fun of me because I would be like, I'm going to troll Whole Foods. Like Thursday, there was, I feel like they would always come after like kickball or whatever activities they would do after work. And then kickball. like, a, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Or like after the gym. And then on Sundays, like if you go at the right time, it's like after everyone has had their like Sunday fun day and the guys that aren't like shit face drunk and like doing blow at whatever bar in Venice, like the guys that you would want to date probably at yeah. my age would be at Whole Foods. I thought that would be my strategy. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know how that would work in reverse, like for you to meet a mm. girl. I don't know where. Farmer's markets. Yes. That's Good idea. The... Generic answer, Good at least. I, I don't know anyone who's ever tried that before. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this world of podcasting has definitely opened me up to the idea of pursuing people that are in this space. Because mm -hmm. I did have that perception that there wasn't much going on behind the eyes. And mm -hmm. yeah, Michael and Lauren of the Skinny Confidential and, you know, the founders of Dear Meter are such a good example of this. I don't think of Michael as much as an influencer He's very business oriented, but he's so brilliant. He's so sharp. I, I know anything I need to get done with him will be accomplished in five minutes. Mm -hmm. It's still, I don't even have to worry about it. And Lauren is, she seems unbelievably bright and savvy in every way. She's putting out books every couple of weeks, yeah. it seems. She <laughs> really so is. Impressive. And she's an example of somebody that you would look at her page or her feed or whatever and probably make a judgment about her. The and ultimate influencer person. And yep. she is so smart. And I always tell people this, like she's one of those people, she just gets it. And like she, I'm trying to think of an example, another person that's like that, that's like more well-known, but 
And from the beginning, she's always been so supportive of me. And everybody that I know, like in the industry, has had the same experience with her. She's like, what can we do to get you? Like, she's always thinking about supporting other people. And yeah, she just has like such a smart, I don't know, she has like a knack for marketing and executing and branding. And it's like, crazy when you talk to her because she's just like, okay, what can we do? What are the ideas? Like, it's just the way she functions. I would be curious to hear from the listeners if they like this format, (laughs) if they want more solo episodes, which I know a lot of people have been saying. And I think we're definitely going to incorporate more of that as we move forward with the show and obviously keep the interviews and the experts and everything coming on. But weave in a little bit more personal stuff, a little bit of Brian, get him on the mic more. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I hope it goes well. Um, I know you're a modest person and I always insist on you doing solo episodes. So hopefully this was a fair compromise for (laughs) you and not too hard on everybody else's ears. And thank you for the editing that you're about to do to clean it up and make it sound coherent. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.